Welcome to Season 4 of the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Starring El Gran Tommy Martini. And featuring Adam Tate. Brought to you by Data Coba Promotions. Promotions Studio One and featuring Data Cobo Promotions Studio Equipment. And now, buckle up for the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Welcome and welcome to the Tommy Without Adam Hard to Name Podcast, Season 4, Episode 11, doing uh, this podcast on behalf of my friend and podcast partner, Mr. Adam Tate. I am, of course, El Gran Tommy Martinez. I'm ready to deliver yet another great episode of this podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS Podcast, and many... (laughs) Other of your favorite DSPs. I laugh because, you know, I, I hate saying the Tommy without Adam hard to name podcast. I really hate saying that because it truly is the Tommy and Adam hard to name podcast. Anyway, I've been gone for maybe a month and some change uh, from podcasting. I was very busy this past month. Uh, a lot of uh, Personal and professional engagements kept me away from doing this podcast, and this podcast is something I love doing, so it's been a a challenge. I hope that the last podcast was good, at least audio-wise, and it didn't hurt your ears as much. I worked a little bit harder on that one, even though (laughs) I recorded it a month uh, before it was released. Uh, But yeah, a lot has happened. In this past month that I have uh, been gone, so I'm just going to try to just bring it up current as much as I can to this last week of April and kind of forget what happened because it's just a lot of rock and roll news, a lot of regular boring news uh, that we have to try to make it a little bit more interesting, a lot of fake news. That's always good. The thing that I thought was the fakest of all news was Donald Trump being indicted in New York. They've been talking about that for so long. I said, oh, I I better check the routine news just in case this is not a a bullshit story. And it turned out to be real. So who thought? They're probably just wasting their time and the taxpayers' money. That guy's rich. And he has that crazy following, too, of all these rednecks and religious people who've bought into all his bullshit. But at least he's in the news. It's pretty funny when he's always in the news. Also, that war in uh, Ukraine keeps going and going. When are the Russians are going to say, fuck this, we're out of here. He says, also, Sudan, man, those motherfuckers out there are fighting again. Shit. Civil war. The story there are Americans and other uh, foreign nationals that are in that country for whatever reasons. You know, gold, oil, hello. You know, once shit hits the fan, you're supposed to get the hell out of there. These motherfuckers are crazy. They chop people up with machetes and rape people and do all kinds of shit. I wouldn't go there the hell with that. 
They needed special operations, special operators, I say in the army, to go in there to rescue the folks at the embassy. Get them the hell out of there. At that point, shit, that's your snaggle puss cue. So exit, stage left. I think that's how the news should report it. Use some snagglepuss quotes and get the hell out of there. People don't fucking listen. Don't tell them what they need to do. Just tell them what's going to happen to them if they stay there. So go ahead, stay there. Stay in all these horrible places around the world where things like this happen. And oh, by the way, if you're American, you got a fucking target on your back. If you're from any civilized country that's also an ally of America, you also have a target. (laughs) Another thing happening... China, the government of China, is testing the waters on the Taiwan thing. (laughs) If you watch or listen to Fox News, war's on the brink. (laughs) Everybody else is reporting on uh, on this trans band and these anti-trans laws. (laughs) And we'll cover some of that a little bit later. Also this week, Jerry Springer passed away. 79 years old, passed away of cancer. Many titles, many roles in his life. Here on the Tommy and Adam Hard Today podcast, available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, and many other of your favorite DSPs, we'll remember him as the man who brought to light the misery of poor America, especially white trash America. (laughs) Strippers, drug addicts. (laughs) It was a great show, Infidelities. (laughs) people that uh, thought that they were dating a lady and it turned out to be a dude. (laughs) Hey, yeah. (laughs) The guys would get mad and wigs would fly. (laughs) It was awesome. It was just a great show. It brought brought much happiness to people who, you know, had real problems. (laughs) We'd say, oh, shit. (laughs) Those people are worse than us. (laughs) Rest in peace, Mr. Jerry Springer. But you did get mail. Ooh. Haven't done mail. I haven't done mail in a while. <laughs> I figure I might as well just throw one in there. We've had quite a few. Standard hate mail, things like that. Email asking where's Adam. I already told you. I don't know where he's at. Uh, other than he's in town. I have communicated with him back and forth, but that's about as much as I could tell you. But out of all of them that I've perused... I thought this was pretty uh, eh, out of ordinary. And plus it was titled Casa Anus. <laughs> titles, ladies and gentlemen. The subject titles on your email will catch my attention. Hint, hint to the legions for a chance at me reading some of your email here on the podcast. Casa Anus. That was season number four, episode 10 or 11. And if you haven't done so yet, check it out. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I think that you just make things up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'd say that's fair to assume. On your podcast segment, What the Frijoles, which, by the way, is one of my favorite segments. Oh, why? Thank you. I appreciate that. I told my husband there is no way there's a place in Belgium that is modeled after a gigantic sphincter. Maybe in the Deep South or the Upper Midwest here in America, but not in Europe. Oh, excuse you. What? No other place in America could be uh, outrageous? <laughs> so I went onto the internet and there it was in all its glory. I showed my husband and we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> well, you know what? That wasn't the purpose of my uh, informative part 
of what the frijol is. But sure, as long as it entertained you. Anyway, says, thank you for that chuckle. The Wittenhouses. Oh, I've told the legions time and time again that what the frijol is is real. That's why it's supposed to make you think WTF. What the frijol is was that about? Another cool thing that I thought when I read this particular email, this is a listener that actually listens. Because on the sign-off of this podcast, when I tell you don't believe anything anyone tells you, especially us, go and do your own research. And I'm going to keep hammering that because at least I got to one listener. That's excellent. Thank you for taking the time and writing that email. Didn't get tail, but you did get mail. What the frijoles always, always has a good impact. Now it's time to start this podcast. Good morning. Today is April 29th of 2023. And it is National Zipper Day! And no, that is not the Chili Peppers. It's a two-man street performing duo called Kex One Zick. And that's the Cypher song. From the Chili Peppers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was close. Zephyr? Zipper? I'm on, a, I'm on a stretch here. Come on. National Day is brought to you from the pages of... The nationalday.com calendar. Wow. I didn't know there was a day for the zipper. The zipper. We all know what that is. We should know what that is. Especially the guys. Ooh, sometimes, you know, our equipment gets caught up in the zipper. And by equipment, I mean the penis. You know what I'm referring to? <laughs> Ouchie. <laughs> The zipper has all kinds of history. Back in 1851, there was a guy called Elias Howell, and he tried to come up with something called automatic continuous closing closure. And that kind of bombed. 42 years later at the Chicago World Fair, a guy called Whitcomb Judson began selling something called the Claps Locker. It was 1893. There he met with very little success. However, Judson earned credit as its creator because he was able to put it on sale before the public. And here's the messed up part, as always. In 1906, there's a company. It was called the Universal Fastener Company. And they hired a guy called Gideon Soundback. He was some electrical engineer, and he was, you know, super highly skilled and whatnot. And he was a, you know, company guy. So on April the 29th of 1913, he was granted a patent for the modern zipper. The other two guys missed the boat on the patent deal. That's why you always have to think out the box. Put your money first before anything else. Because today, after, you know, a couple of modifications here and there, we're basically wearing zippers designed by this uh, this Gideon dude. So in a sense, that's kind of like a zipper dick move. <laughs> that's it's the way business goes. But it gets better. Evidently, these names that they had given this uh, invention of the zipper were not catchy names. The actual name of Zipper belonged to B.F. Goodrich. 
That's right. The B.F. Goodrich we know today as a tire manufacturing company. Because in 1923, it applied to some uh, boots and pouches it made, which had these zippers. So B.F. Goodrich copyrights the name. The zipper has a history of having all kinds of dick moves. Somebody creates it, somebody names it. Now, how are you going to observe National Zipper Day? Wear something with a zipper, obviously. Also, check out some zipper art. That's interesting to me. I've seen zipper art where they take a scene, let's say a mountain, and they split it a certain way where you have one side of the mountain and the other side of the mountain. Then the artists paint or draw a zipper in between them. And it look it looks like it's being zipped up or it could look like it's zipped down. So that's an example of zipper art. I've also seen where people have tattoos on their bald heads and the zipper opens and you can see their brain. Another popular one is to tattoo a zipper on a open heart surgery scar, which, I, which I've seen. I think it's pretty cool. There's kind of a sense of humor about that. Something that could be fatally serious. You celebrate it with body art. And I repeat, art is subjective. How will I celebrate National Zipper Day? Well, I'll put on some pants with a zipper. I'm going to my granddaughter's dance recital. I have to go dressed halfway decent, so that's how I'll do it. I'll probably hashtag myself, too. Today is also National Pool Opening Day. Hmm, that's going to be in the 70s. Don't think that would be uh, a temperature I'd be jumping into a pool. But if you enjoy that, go ahead and go for it. I believe some swimwear would have uh, zippers, for the ladies at least. So maybe you could make it a double whammy. You know, now that I think about it, I wonder if uh, for those people who don't identify as a man, for whatever reasons, and again, this is America, this is the way it works, but are they reminded that <laughs> mentally is one thing and physically is another when they zip up and get the male organ caught again. <laughs> Let's get to business. It's the Tanya and Adam's Hard to Name Podcast. Day in rock history. <laughs> and this is Chicago. As I was walking down the street one day, the day in rock history. Brought to you from the pages of History.com, TodayInMusic.com, SongFactsHistory.com, ClassicBands.com, and God knows where else. Ultimate Classic Rock, Loudwire.com, all that good stuff. <laughs> oh, Lord, 1969. That's a great year. <laughs> April the 29th, 1969. The album, Chicago Transit Authority, is released by Columbia Records. The LP will top out at number 17 on the Billboard 200 and 9 in the UK. Wow. And uh, that same year, it sold over a million copies. That goes to show you the 
the staying power that the band Chicago has had over the years. Whoops, <laughs> kind of a bad cut there, but it doesn't matter. I saw Chicago a couple of years ago along with Earth, Wind & Fire, and it was a fantastic show. Those horns give it a special kind of touch. It's jazzy, but at the same time, it's rock and roll. I thought it was exceptional. I am a child of the 70s, so I grew up with this music, not only on FM, but also on AM. Plus, they'd make the rounds uh, on all the shows that were being televised during that time. Uh, in the 70s, you see a lot of shows on TV, and these are the kind of bands that would make their promo appearances on. And they weren't flashy or anything like that. You know, let's say like the funk bands that usually had the same kind of dress. Chicago was just like your buddies would get together and each would have an instrument and they go on stage and they just jam out. And I thought that was pretty unique about them. Kind of like a Santana, but without a Latino on it <laughs> in the band. Going back to the history piece, uh, they were initially called Chicago Transit Authority, and that's when they released uh, their first album back in uh, April the 29th of 1969. And there's a factoid associated to it. I think it's pretty much well known. The actual Chicago Transit Authority sued the band for the use of the name. That story was kind of thrown to the side once uh, the original drummer said that back then the band had come up with this story about being sued by the Chicago Transit Authority as a uh, you know public relations kind of gimmick to get the band some more uh, whatever it may be in the magazines and or the rest of the publicity methods that were used at the time, radio, TV, etc. Uh, however, uh, they ended up just calling themselves Chicago and a tribute to the area that they had come from. And Chicago and that area up there, they've, re they've had their fair share of great acts coming out of there. They had a the Smashing Pumpkins is one of the recent ones. Ariel Speedwagon, Cheap Trick. So Illinois or Northern Illinois isn't any uh, stranger to you know, great musicians. As a matter of fact, Earth, Wind & Fire is also out of the Chicago area. So we start today hailing Chicago and Chicago music. This is not Chicago, baby. This is Black Sabbath. Neon Nights. Right out the gate, the voice of Mr. Ronnie James Dio. Out of all the nostalgia that could evoke in me when it comes to heavy metal and rock and roll, hearing the voice of Ronnie James Dio always gets me in the melancholy mood when I was younger. And I used to hear this, and I used to, the first thing you do is you raise your horns. And you shake your hands. <laughs> wow. Black Sabbath, yeah. Let me see what I got here. April the 29th of 1979, Black Sabbath began their first tour with vocalist Ronnie James Dio, who had replaced uh, Ozzy Osbourne, and he was coming out of Rainbow at the time. He went from one guitarist that is known to have some kind of uh, unpleasant conflicts with, which was Richie Blackmore, to another dominating guitarist, which is Tony Iommi. Those relationships were contentious as best, but Ronnie James Dio wanted the gig. Who wouldn't? Here's an opportunity to sing for the premier heavy metal band in the world. Actually, the godfathers of heavy metal, by some accounts. I'm one of the people who subscribe to that. 
the way it goes in recorded rock and roll history, Iommi and Dio met by chance. And none other than the Rainbow in California, there in Los Angeles. They kept in touch. Dio was even quoted saying, this must be fate. Dio was later invited over to Iommi's Los Angeles residence, where they met in an impromptu, quote-unquote, jam session to see how it worked out. And Dio, obviously, was looking for a project because he had left Rainbow. And uh, Iommi needed a singer. Still in 1979, right? They record Heaven and Hell. And from that gem, we received the title track, Heaven and Hell. A heavy metaller knows that. Children of the Sea, Neon Knights, what uh, I opened up this segment with. And of course, one of my top favorites, Lady Evil. As a matter of fact, I invite you to find the podcast where we broke down Lady Evil on the segment, Lyrics That'll Blow Your Mind. You know where? Here on the Time and Adam Hard to Name podcast. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, and the rest of your favorite DSPs. But please, don't look for it now, because now it's time for... Settle down, class. It's this week's Rockin' Higher Education Lesson on Led Zeppelin 101 with Professor Adam Lee Tate. That stairway to heaven. But this version is on harps. Played by uh, a duo. And they go by the name of Harp Twins. You know, this is very peaceful. I'd mix it up a little bit. I found this piece on Stairway to Heaven. I said, wow, you know, because Stairway to Heaven is, is so overplayed on classic rock radio and everywhere else. You could find great music that we love so much like that of uh, Led Zeppelin. All right. 1982. April the 28th of 1982. Write that down on your notebooks, uh, students. The California State Assembly Consumer Protection Committee. Damn, that's a long-ass name. Heard testimony from experts. Experts are obviously in quotes. Who claimed that when Stairway to Heaven was played backwards, and here we go, contains the words, I sing because I live with Satan. That was one of them. The Lord turns me off. There's no escaping it. Here's to my sweet Satan, whose power is Satan. He will give you 666, I live for Satan. All that in quotes, by the way, I have nothing to do with any of that. Today we could blame Ghost, I guess, for reviving that bullshit. Ghost and a bunch of those metal dark genre 
speed thrashy shit coming out of Denmark and Sweden and all these other places that I have no idea why the hell would be want to be reviving that shit anyway. Those places seem to be a pretty happy places. Casa Anus. We spoke about that a little bit earlier. That's pretty funny and entertaining and non-threatening. But again, I could be wrong. I've never lived there. Going back to the lesson on hand. Devil worship and rock and roll have gone hand in hand for a long, long time. Way before any of us came onto the scene. Black Sabbath could have went hand in hand with Zeppelin during this time. The Rolling Stones didn't help but with their song Sympathy for the Devil. Songs that involve the devil are gonna piss off the establishment. It's that simple. If you streamed this podcast from the beginning, you're gonna know my stance on religion. You're also going to know where I stand faith-wise, and there's a big difference there. And I don't want to go into this gigantic soliloquy like I went on the last time. So I'm going to spare you. I went on to the mighty internet, and I googled this song, Stairway to Heaven, played backwards. Now, why the hell would you want to play a song backwards? I don't know, and I don't have the answer to it. This is the kind of stuff that occurs when you're high, or you're drunk, or you're both, and you have nothing else to do. But that's just my opinion. I actually found it on YouTube and I played it and it was closed captioned so I could see and hear at the same time. My conclusion, if I had any kind of rhyming ability, I could have taken and done the same thing and put whatever words I wanted to go in there and make it seem that Robert Plant was singing those words. Oh, and by the way, there's parts of that recording, quote unquote, that sound just like the forward playing. I play for you some of that nonsense that I heard, but I'm really not gonna torture this class. I want to be a cool professor. If you'd like, you could torture yourself. Just go ahead and go on YouTube, anywhere else on the internet, and you'll find it. It's a beautiful song. Why on earth would the California State Assembly Consumer Protection Committee go after this song? And in 1982, by the way, not the year of its release. To me and many of the legions, this song is about some lady who's sure that all that glitters is gold. And she's buying a stairway to heaven. And it's a stairway to heaven, not the stairway to heaven. See, that's going to be on the test. This is Led Zeppelin 101. I bet you that even that harps version could be rocked. Hmm, let's try that out. Your head is humming and it won't go In case you don't know The piper's calling you to join him Dear lady, can you hear the wind blow? And you don't know Your stare is light on the whispering wind (laughs) That's enough of that disaster Still, I made my point, I think and I didn't self-indulge at, at all. Devil music, get the fuck out of here with that. Yeah. Let's pick this up a little bit. That's Mr. Eddie Van Halen on guitar. Okay. 
best of both worlds. April 26th of 1986, Van Halen proved there was life after death, especially after David Lee Roth had left, and their monster record 1984 was all over the place, because they released 5150 with singer Sammy Hagar, man, it hit number one in the U.S. for the first three weeks of its release. That's how much anticipation there was with this record. Wow. I remember discussing this with this huge, diehard Sammy Hagar fan, and we went into the debate of Sammy Hagar versus David Lee Roth. And it wasn't Adam. Adam and me have had this conversation. And in my mind, there was no way Sammy Hagar was going to replace successfully David Lee Roth. Now, at that time, I was in my 20s. I was very stupid, at least a little bit more stupid than I am now. And I'm sure there was a bunch of F-bombs in that conversation. But man, was I ever wrong on that one. See, Sammy Hagar didn't come to replace David Lee Roth. Sammy Hagar came to make Van Halen... mm, dare I say better, at a minimum, he came to build on what was already there. Almost like a Van Halen 2.0, or at least a Van Halen 8.9, my favorite score. After 5150, they put out some more records, and they kept rising. In a sense, it's almost like an ACDC. They had this era with Bon Scott, then here comes Brian Johnson, and they just keep climbing. Same thing, at least discography-wise. Did I get that right? Discography. Here, let me ask my assistant. Did I get that right? Discography. I did. (laughs) And that means they already had a catalog of records with this one singer, which were enormously successful, i.e. Diamond Dave. And here's the next phase. Bam. Sammy Hagar. They kept climbing until he got fed up and said, I'm out of here too. (laughs) It's the way things go. It just goes to show you all these debates about, oh, what if this singer would have stayed or what if this singer would have still been alive? You know, the bottom line is this is art. You don't know if the next phase or the next project or the next whatever is going to be as successful as the one that you put out previously. Still, I like arguing when it comes to that kind of stuff, so to me it's fun. And here's a cool note from uh, Eddie Van Halen. It says here, after a long-lasting, insufferable issues with David Lee Roth, he claimed that he was suffering from LSD, lead singer disease. Well, I guess he suffered it after after David Lee Roth with uh, Mr. Sammy Hagar. We 
With or without you With or without you oh, I can't live With or without you
with or without you. My respects to the mighty Adam Clayton. Back in 1987, April the 25th of 1987, you too started a five-week run at number one on the U.S. album charts with their fifth studio album, The Joshua Tree. It contained the song you just heard, With or Without You. I still haven't found what I'm looking for and where the streets have no name. These songs, along with others, were the fuel that kept this machine going, selling worldwide 25 million copies. I've actually... Sorry about that. I've actually been out to Joshua Tree, California. It's a national park, very unique. This album was inspired by American tour experiences, literature, and politics. Having spent some time out in California and in many places in the U.S., I could see where four chaps from Dublin, Ireland, have left their home and have traveled our country and were able to absorb a lot of this, of our culture. Okay, and come up with a record that hits a tone worldwide like the Joshua Tree. This weekend, oh yeah, kiss! What a great record. <clears throat> My voice is, is going south. <clears throat> okay. Give me some water. All right. This is off of Kiss Mania. And this is a social media platform out of South America. Kiss is wrapping up their tour in South America. I think uh, next week sometime. The end of the road tour, that is. So that's the end of the road for South America. Anyway, so Kiss Mania uh published this week that on april 23rd of uh, 1992 and i'm giving you the rough translation here as i read it kiss played for the first time at l stone in san francisco that would be the stone in san francisco california that's where 
the era of Revenge Live. That's when the time frame of this record was born. It was the first time they played live with Mr. Eric Singer. It has been 31 years since Eric Singer has come on board as the premier Kiss drummer with a few hiatuses here and there. He had replaced Mr. Eric Carr, who had died uh, the year before, I believe in November of 1991, of a rare form of cancer. I've seen all three versions of Kiss drummers. first one I saw was Eric Carr. The second was Peter Chris, their original drummer on their first, uh, I think, reunion tour. And then I saw Eric Carr play every show afterwards. Excellent drummer, excellent singer, overall well-rounded musician. Has played numerous gigs and engagements from Lita Ford to Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper, Paul Stanley's touring band, his own project, the Eric Singer Project. I believe he's originally from Ohio, Cleveland, maybe Cincinnati. I really don't know the origins of uh, Eric Singer. That recording of Domino at the beginning of this segment was at Dayton, Ohio, where they were closing up the Revenge Tour. He was on most of the drum track recordings for the Revenge Records, which he had filled in for uh, Mr. Eric Carr. So it was a natural thing just to take him out on tour. If you listen to that record, of it's Kiss. Uh, it's called Kiss uh, Revenge in Dayton. Something to that effect. You could Google it or you could put it on YouTube. Anyway, you could really listen to how raw that recording is. Uh, I want to say way, way, way before the days of tracking. And you could hear how high Mr. Paul Stanley is singing uh, his parts. To me, listening to that record was a little nostalgic. It was the days you used to go to rock shows and it didn't feel like they were time constrained. Uh, it didn't feel polished like it does nowadays. The show starts and you could actually sense Paul Stanley feeling out the crowd, being the front man that all rock bands need. And Mr. Eric Singer providing the pounding to keep the crowd going. The timing to keep the songs flowing. Happy anniversary, Mr. Eric Singer. Thanks for joining KISS. Yeah. And this is Metallica's Saint Anger Live. Metallica, 2001, April the 23rd, 2001. Metallica started recording their album, Saint Anger, which turns into some kind of monster, the film. 
frontman James Hetfield ended up in rehab during the sessions, and the band only completed it with the help of a psychologist. Uh, something you need to maybe see if you haven't seen the movie Some Kind of Monster. Give you an insight of everything that I just said there. Very tough time for the uh, crew at Metallica as they went through some hard changes of their dealing with life and fame and riches and ups and downs, substance abuse, you name it. These guys were going through it. And on top of all that, they were dealing with their own personality conflicts amongst the members of the band we all love, which is Metallica, with the highlight of the departure of Jason Newsted during this time. Wow. He said, fuck this, I'm out of here. I don't blame him one bit. It's tough. It's tough being around people all the time, the same people. And on top of that, this expectation to keep climbing this mountain of success based on your talent. Yeesh. That's a lot of pressure. That'll crack anybody. Here's this bigger-than-life-sized man, James Hetfield, that you see at a distance. He's a pretty big dude, and he had all these issues, all these mental issues. Anybody could crack. If James Hetfield could crack, anybody could crack. He did a very courageous thing, him and the rest of the guys at Metallica, in documenting this, but most importantly, seeking help. If you've been through the therapy process, you understand, at least for me, it's a jigsaw puzzle. Your brain and your memories and your thoughts and your feelings. And it's all cut up into all these different pieces and sizes. And when you go through therapy, that kind of helps you in the long run. It does make things a little bit more clearly, at least in my personal experience. But again, on this subject, don't listen to me. If you need help to get you through these feelings and these thoughts, go see a medical professional. They'll know what the right treatment is for you. Now let's get back to Metallica. Saint Anger also voted one of Metallica's worst albums. That's unfair. Here's some album factoids. Since Jason Newsted departed Metallica, producer Bob Rock played uh, Jason Newsted's bass parts. Uh, this also this is the last time Bob Rock would work with Metallica, and this album has been the only Metallica album to be marked with a parental advisory sticker. It's also Metallica's only album where they're officially a trio. In the U.S., this album is certified double platinum, something you got to give Metallica credit for. They don't rest on their laurels. They keep going. Sane Anger is a testament to that. Nah, bro, you, you see me, bro? I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. I'm hard, bro. Let's get started. It's the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Historic hip-hop rapizzle moment. Yo. Yickety-yickety-yo.
much drama in the LBC It's kinda hard being stooped to your double G But I somehow, someway keep coming up with fucking ass shit Like every single day May I kick a little something from the cheese And make a few ends as I breeze through Two in the morning and a party still drunk Because my mama ain't cool And bitches in the living room getting in the old And they ain't living just six in the morning So what you wanna do? Shit, I gotta fuck up on the rubbers and my whole boy suit too So turn the lights and close the doors, but We don't love them house Yeah, so we gon' fuckin' out to this Jeez up, hold down, fuck your motherfuckers back to this Rolling down the street, talking in dough Sippin' on gin and juice Laying back With my mind and my money and my money and my mind Rolling down the street, talking in dough Sippin' on gin and juice Laying back With my mind and my money and my mouth I got me some cheap gin Everybody got a cup of the Nice, nice cover of Snoop Dogg's Chin and Juice. I love it. <laughs> I got bitches in the living room getting it on, and they ain't leaving till six in the morn. <laughs> I guess that's the lifestyle I wouldn't know. <laughs> Wow, rolling down the street, smoking Indo, sipping on gin and juice. I'm actually sipping on coffee. My coffee finally arrived. Anyhow, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but uh, rap lyrics are always uh, so entertaining to me. <laughs> and that beautiful rendition of Snoop Dogg's Gin and Juice was courtesy of... Uh, Leo Moraccioli, something like that, is out of uh, YouTube. You could check it out. Sound kind of, uh, what's that one? Uh, new metal, they fuse it with some hip-hop. Oh, corn, corn, sounded a little bit like corn. Anyhow, I don't know about you guys, but the very few times that I have become a drunken mess was on gin and juice. <laughs> I think I'm coming down with a cold. My voice is fluctuating. Anyway, <clears throat> that's going to be bad. But anyway. Yeah, I it was grapefruit juice and gin. I was like 14, 15. It was really bad. <laughs> anyway, 2008, April the 25th, 2008, a man suing rapper Snoop Dogg told a court he received a brutal beating from the star's security. Eh, I think we've gone there before. We've heard that story repeated a million times by different people. At different venues with different artists. Let's see if this one's any different. Richard Monroe Jr., who claimed that the rapper hit him with a microphone after he climbed on stage. Really? Personally, I think he's lucky he didn't get hit with more than just a microphone. Mr. Monroe was asking for $22 million in damages from the rappers and others. Hmm. Mm, that's an expensive microphone hit. Jurors were told that as the performer started his hit Gin and Juice at the White River Amphitheater in Seattle, Mr. Monroe thought that was an open invitation to go up on stage and party with the rapper. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, the bottom line, not to go into any more of this bullshit, he got the shit beat out of him. Snoopy was cleared. But the guy still received $449,400 for the damages and the beating that he received. Mm. You know what I like in this too? I have a light on 
in my house. You know, one, two o'clock in the morning, I'm doing whatever. I can't sleep. Maybe the door was open because I was letting my dog Betty out to take a duty or, you know, do a whiz. And some random asshole sees the door open, thinks it's an invitation to come into my house at that time. Just because. Then I obviously beat the shit out of him with a bat or whatever. He's lucky I don't shoot him. And then I'm getting sued for that. It's the same thing, except I'm not Snoopy Dog and I don't have a bunch of money. And there's your difference. The big payday. Now let's apply some common sense to this. If you've been to a rock show, you've been to any kind of show, and you see security, which are no little dudes, standing in front of the stage, there's a reason for that. That's so dumbasses don't go on the stage and fuck up the show. Or worse, do some damage because there's some deranged fan to, you know, the person putting on the show. You know, look at Dimebag Daryl. That's a perfect example. He was murdered on stage. Of course they're going to beat his ass. It doesn't matter what kind of show it is. The same principles apply. Watch the show from where you're supposed to watch it. Where you bought the seats marked on your ticket. Personally, it could have been worse. I could imagine how it would have went down another way. I know exactly what you motherfuckers need. LT, could you please pour them some of my favorite drink? I mean, I'm joking, but that's, that's how it could have happened. That's, that's so messed up. Uh, let's go to the... Okay. Let's go to the Urban Dictionary and see what it says about being sued. A person who sues other persons or corporations because of specious transgressions. Specious basically means bullshit. Wow, the urban using big words. And I love the application here. Check it out. It says, Sally filed a lawsuit because her TV dinner caused her to waste an extra step to open the box and peeling off the plastic wrap from the food before popping the food tray into her microwave. Sally is a suing being in a special class of homo sapien. And now that I think about it, the, the Snoopy Doggy Pound is sort of a corporation. I could see that. He employs people. He has to pay taxes. The whole deal has millions of dollars, more than likely. <laughs> anyway, the hip hop rap hizzle dictionary to close this segment out. It says concert fool Izzle. 
a drunk high, mentally unfit, or all of the above, opportunist who sees a chance to enjoy a big payday if they could provoke the show artist and or security to inflict bodily harm on them so they can, in turn, find a dirty lawyer and sue all the parties involved. Nice. It has an application, but I'm not going to go there. Now, who the hell in their right mind would act a fool at a rap concert? The lesson here is stay in your seat, people. Don't go close to the big dudes in the front. They're going to whoop your ass. Born on this day, rock and roll birthdays, and that's Mr. Ace Fraley, Rock Soldiers Live. Soldiers come, rock soldiers go, some beat the drum, some never know, rock soldiers, I love that song. I I fucked up the lyrics like I usually do. Ace is back and he told you so. Yeah. Ace Fraley born April the 27th of 1951. Ace is 72 years old. Wow. <coughs> And we all know Ace is from KISS. He was, and for many, he still is, the spaceman of rock and roll giants, KISS. For the past month, he was uh, in the rock and roll news for a while. He was upset about the interview KISS gave on the Howard Stern Show, where in summary, they were talking about KISS's induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Howard asked Paul Stanley, you know, why didn't the original band play something to that effect? And I'm paraphrasing here, but Paul's response was basically, you know, this is the band we have now. This is who we've been playing with for a long time. Plus, if we were to go on stage with Ace and with uh, Peter, it wouldn't be Kiss. It would be Piss. That was, And that was kind of fucked up. It pissed off Ace to the effect that on the Eddie Trunk show on Sirius XM Radio, Ace issued an ultimatum demanding a retraction and an apology from Paul Stanley or else he would reveal some dirt that would ruin the band and their legacy, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, long story short, they went on for a couple of weeks, four or five weeks. Uh, The four or five weeks I was gone, by the way. I don't think a lot came out of it. Kiss is still touring. Ace is touring as a solo act as well. Happy birthday, Ace. Also celebrating a birthday this week, and this is nuts. It's Mr. Willie Nelson. He was born on April 29th of 1933. This guy's 90 years old. He's an associate. 
<laughs> of Mr. Snoopy Dog. Maybe Snoopy will last that long because they both enjoy the loco weed. Cannabis consumption. Maybe that's the formula to last that long. Now, there wasn't that many birthdays this past week, but I have to mention this one. Melissa Vivian Jefferson. She just turned 38. It's Lizzo. Let's go! Give it up for the baddest bitch on the planet. Lizzo! Work, ladies. Yeah. The baddest what of the planet? Bitch on the planet. Wow, that's a big title. I think that comes up with a lot of pressure. But she's pretty big. She could handle it, I'm sure. Yay, Lizzo. <laughs> Actually, she was in the news not too long ago. She declared herself the beauty standard, quote unquote, on some bullshit video she posted on Instagram. She was in a robe and she was, you know, updating her fans of what's going on, you know, because people do that on social media. It's like, oh, my God, let me stop what I'm doing. I want to see what my favorite celebrity is up to. Anyway, she said, I just finished showering and doing my little routine. And you know what I realized? I'm fucking gorgeous. <laughs> That's what I'm taught. You go, girl. <laughs> the fatties lost their minds. I know I did. I'm a fatty myself. <laughs> I thank God for Lizzo. She makes some great headlines. At least this year she's been, <laughs> she's been promoting her body. You know what? I'm going to stop right there and just say happy birthday, Lizzo. Because uh, it is time for hashtag what the frijoles. <laughs> As if that wasn't what the frijoles enough. Our nation, <laughs> the United States of America, the greatest nation on the planet, damn it. This past week, week, some change, maybe two or three weeks. Oh, my God, this whole thing with the drag queens and the transvestites and shit happening and like Tennessee is, you know what? Was it Tennessee or Kentucky? Actually, Lizzo made a stand for the transvestites and didn't cancel her show out there. I think it was in Louisville. She actually went out, even though there was some danger that some shit was going to be happening. <laughs> it's probably those Trump maniacs listening to Kid Rock because they're all upset about the uh, Bud Light being uh, represented by some transgender. So these past couple of weeks, we've had some extreme left and we've also had some extreme right. So it's like everybody's ready to go at it. Everybody's ignoring the shit that's going around the world and we're worried about transgenders and transvestites and all kinds of other shit, drinking beer or not drinking. It was like, what the hell? And this is all according to social media. You know, the real news. Right, wink, wink. So what did Ultimate Classic Rock do to remind us hardcore rockers that sweat tears and blood for our music and for good old heterosexual sex, drugs, and rock and roll that many of our heroes have actually dressed in drag. That many of our singing and playing guitars and banging away at the drum heroes have dressed in drag and have carried on like fools. And there were some of the obvious ones. And then there was some that weren't so obvious. First up, Queen. No surprise there. And that was for their video, I Want to Break Free. Actually, Roger Taylor wasn't looking bad as a blonde woman. Hey, hey, what's wrong with me? The Rolling Stones did it back in 1966 for their single, Have You Seen Your Mother, Baby? 
standing in the shadow. And they were dressed up like a World War II nurses. That one I didn't know about. Here's another obvious one. Mr. David Bowie. That one went on and off during his entire career. So androgynous as he was. Prepare yourself for this next one. Mr. Gene Simmons. That's right. In the 1986 film, Never Too Young to Die. Simmons was wearing this kind of a Vegas showgirl getup. The picture. Oh, geez. Say it isn't so, Gene. He went from God of Thunder to Queen of Thunder. Jeez. Next one up was Mr. Iggy Pop. Yeah, I could see that one. Mr. Ozzy Osbourne is up next to Bat. Yep. He's dressed in drag many times, but the most famous one is some magazine cover, and I cannot recall which magazine, and it doesn't say it here either, but it was going to be released on uh, May, and it was for Mother's Day, so why not dress Ozzy like a mad mother for the shoot? After Ozzy on this list is Mr. Kurt Cobain. Yep. Big supporter of the LGBTQ community. Also women's rights. Wore a dress in more than one occasion. Also performed in them. Alice Cooper. Steven Tyler. Elton John. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Keith Moon. Pete Townsend. Scott Whalen. Scott Whalen was really, really bizarre. His was like an alien, like a cantina chick out of a Star Wars movie. U2, the New York Dolls. Adam told us about that in one of his uh, Led Zeppelin 101 lessons. Perry Farrell, Rod Stewart, the Foo Fighters, yeah. We've seen them dressed in drag more than once. Like I said, there's really obvious ones, but the ones that, you know, like I said, there's one that you're not really surprised with, but the ones I was surprised with were Corey Taylor from Slipknot and the guy who's the lead singer from uh, Tool, Maynard, Maynard James. Those are ones that got me like, what the frijoles is this? I know these are rock stars we're mentioning, but you know who I wouldn't be surprised if I see in drag someday? Carlson Tucker. <laughs> oh. I can actually see that. <laughs> actually, I would love to see that. I'd love to see some more of his racist text. Like, who was surprised with that one? Actually, I'd like to see a show of him and Don Lemons together. Actually, that's a great idea. <laughs> if you're going to be one-sided, have opposite one-sided and have them go at it. And dress them at every show in drag. Maybe bring in RuPaul or Lizzo and... <laughs> Ted Nugent, Kid Rock, <laughs> have it sponsored by Bud Light and Magpul Ammunition Magazines. That would be a fair show. Anyway, let's start getting the hell out of here. Good times, bad times. On the Tommy and Adam Martin Podcast. Bad times first, as always, Aerosmith teasing a farewell tour. This was published on uh, April the 26th off of Ultimate Classic Rock by Allison Rapp. 
So it appears Aerosmith is up to something. Well, they always are. That's why they're one of America's favorite bands. A display featuring the band's logo with the words Peace Out has been appearing at U.S. venues and a countdown clock is currently displayed in the band's website. Mm. Warning fans that they are roughly five days at the time of this writing, which was the 26th, before something presumably happens. Mm. Then I better hurry up and get this podcast out. But then again, it just might be bullshit. Some publicity stunt. But Aerosmith has had some issues here in the past uh, couple of years. Uh, had some problems with Steven Tyler. Joey Kramer's not drumming with them. You as a fan, you come up with your own conclusions on that one. And we'll see what the hell is going on by maybe the next podcast. How's that? So we'll consider this one almost bad times. This is jumping to the good times. I was going to mention as good times that Mr. Ted Nugent has announced he's retiring from performing. But that's passe because I wanted to share all because I wanted to share a story off of Loudwire. It says study reveals the rock plus metal bands that make people feel the most confident. Mm. A study, a scientific study. Just yesterday, April 28th, by Lauren Schaffner. She starts out with your favorite music shouldn't just sound good. It should also make you feel good. A new study by Within Health has revealed which rock and metal bands make people feel the most confident about themselves and their bodies. Wait a minute. Isn't Lizzo doing feeling good about your body? I hope the metal community hasn't bought into this. Medical News Today defines body image as, well, here we go again, body image. How an individual sees their own body and feelings associated with this perception. The individual often focuses on their weight, hair, skin, and even particular body parts. And uh, their perspective can be influenced by a wide array of factors, especially social media and pop culture. Thus, a positive body image means a person feels good about their appearance. Uh Uh-oh. To gather the data, Within Health studied body positivity related to playlist on Spotify and surveyed over a thousand listeners about how certain artists and songs make them feel about their body images. While top five artists for making people feel confident are Lizzo, Taylor Swift, Adele, Beyonce, and Lady Gaga, according to the results, rock fans actually reported having the best body positivity image. Oh, okay, this did get better. It is good times. A total of 64% of the participants who noted feeling confident about their bodies listen to rock. 40% listen to alternative music and 23% are metalheads. Nice. Within Health broke it down even further by inquiring about specific artists within each genre. The five rock artists that make people the most confident are Queen, Guns N' Roses, Led Zeppelin, The Beatles, and Pink Floyd. Oh, not too shabby. The five metal artists that make people feel the best are Metallica, Nice, Tool, Nirvana, Five Finger Death Punch, and Avenged Sevenfold. Okay. Furthermore, 37% of the participants noted that music helped them develop a positive body image. And 28% of people feel that music videos have a negative impact on their body image. Oh, I think the music videos they're referring to are the past music videos of their favorite artists. Because we fast forward to 2023 
and our rock heroes are looking rough. I was just talking about James Hetfield here not too long ago, even though he really wasn't a looker in his younger days. But have you seen Robert Plant lately? Ooh, maybe they're referring to us, the geezer community. I don't know. Me personally, I'm getting up there in age, so it really doesn't matter what my body or whatever the hell needs to look good. My life's already been made. Maybe eating better, shit like that, but please. Nonetheless, these were good times, shit. Rock and roll is king. Continues to be king. Well, it's time for me to get out of here. I got my granddaughter's recital to attend. Plus, need to start getting ready for my trip next week to Boston to go visit my grandson and my daughter and my son-in-law. Uh-huh. So, I cannot promise a podcast. But what I can promise you that, uh... There's always room here for Mr. Adam Tate. So if you're listening, Adam, come on back, buddy. I always have to put that plea out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I really appreciate it. No, I really do. And uh, seriously, I will not stop anytime soon. I hope not. Even though I have shortcutted a few of the segments, but that's all right. Change is good. As always, we want to thank our legion of listeners, our fans, and whoever else subjects themselves to this podcast. We really appreciate it. Keep in mind, life is not that serious, nor anything else we have said on this podcast. Question everything and don't believe anyone. Do your own research and come up with your own conclusions. Again, search the keywords, the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name Podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast app, RSS Podcast, and everywhere else this podcast is on demand and streaming. Activate the notification icon to be notified when we are online. Write a comment and share it with a friend, but mostly with an enemy. Doing it for both, my friend Adam Tate, I am El Gran Tommy Martinez. And today is April the 29th of 2023, and you are listening to the Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast. Remember to always play it often, play it loud, but play it. The Tommy and Adam Hard to Name podcast is produced by Dadakoa Promotions. Yeah, which is a Kansas. That the color from oh, 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 ocean.